This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Send me Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Mike Janung here, and thank you for joining us. Coming to you from another clear, sunny 70-degree uh, day in Phoenix. And I've shared before how I believe that the key to resolving and turning around the porn epidemic in the church, where surveys are showing that two-thirds of Christian men and 30% of Christian women are viewing pornography at some level, the key, I believe, is the wives. And the reason for that is that often what happens, what we see all the time, is a man is floundering and blinded by what he's doing with his sexual sin or pornography or whatever it is, and doesn't long before he even understands that he has to reach out and get help, once his wife discovers it, the pain that she goes through is immediate. So, and often, all too often, the man will hide it, he won't share it with his community or his church. So, all of that wreckage stays in the marriage for a while. And meanwhile, the wife, once she finds out, she has to deal with all the pain. And she's the one encouraging him and even pleading with him and sometimes demanding, you must get help. You cannot stay where you are. And she's the one who's praying for him, uh, trying to get him to change. And she's the one, more often than not, we see wives or have been the ones who've triggered getting conferences started and, and many other things we've, we've uh, on our side, we've been a blessed to be a part of. It's been sparked by a wife, not a pastor, and most of the time not a man. Uh, usually I would say around 70% of the events and conference we, we've done at other churches, a lot of them have come from, from a wife. So today I'm blessed to have with me Laura Graber. She's a wife, and she lives in Jamesport, Missouri. And welcome to the show, Laura. Hey, thank you, Mike, for having me. <laughs> and amen to everything that you just shared. Well, thanks. And so I want to get started, Laura, by just inviting you to, to share your story and go for it. Okay, well, yeah, I've been trying to gather my thoughts of, of what all to share, where to start sharing, and how to fit in four years of of life into a short time, so <laughs> bear with me. Um, me and my husband, we dated for about nine months before we got married, and prior to that, we had lived next door, and we grew up beside each other pretty much. Um, so I thought I, I knew him pretty well, and um, after nine months of dating, we decided to get married, and in our time of dating, um, he had shared about some sexual sins in his past and um, his addiction to pornography. 
or should I say um, occasional flips to pornography at that point. But I was very naive. Um, he was also, we thought, you know, marriage would, would fix it, would would make it better and would take care of it. And it was kind of something that I I brushed off most times, you know, thinking that it's really not that big of a deal or once we're married, it's going to disappear. And, well, we got married and the first three months, you know, life was life was great. I was um, amazed at how fun and easy that marriage could be. But there seemed to be something lurking in the background, like something didn't seem just quite right. But I, I felt like it was probably, you know, newly married reality hadn't set in. Um, about three months after we got married, I left to get my degree. Um, I went to Virginia for a week. And through that week, obviously, my husband was at home alone. And um, I got a call after I was there for a couple of days. And I'll just I'll never forget that phone call. Um, my husband called me and told me, you know, hey, he needs help. Um, he's been binge-watching porn and um, had also turned to some of his previous addictions, like alcohol and some of those things. I was I was horrified, um, shocked. I, I can't even put into words um, what I felt when I got that phone call. Like, I just felt my heart stop. I couldn't believe it um, because, you know, we were Christians. Um, this wasn't supposed to be happening to us. This was um, this was not our reality. Um, so I ended up coming home a day or two early, and we we sat down and we tried to talk about it and and trying to figure out, you know, how how do we move forward from here? And yeah, at that point, we didn't share with anyone really. Um, it was still something I was, we're both pretty confident, you know, we can walk through this. It's not that big of a thing. And while that, that was just the start, I sometimes look back and think if I would have known everything that would happen, yeah, we would, I don't know how I would have walked through it. So I guess it's a good thing we don't know the future. Mm. But the next two years um, were insane. I, I don't know how to put it into words exactly, but with with the pornography, um, my husband had a, a past of anger and depression, so his depression would rage, um, and anger would would surface, and the way to deal with that would be watch pornography, get a release, and be able to you know deal with life. So the next two years were just spent um, sometimes even up to like twice a day of just binge watching on porn. I mean, weekly, sometimes bi-weekly. And he would always come and find me and, and tell me that, you know, hey, I watched pornography again. And it was, I, I wish I could find words somehow to sum up what it was like in those two to three years of that. We had, we, I mean, we talked, we tried to come up with game plans. There was, looking back now, I see it was feeble attempts to try to combat the enemy. But at that point, we didn't have the tools. I didn't have the tools. I was just floundering, just, yeah, all over the place. But the pain that 
went with it, just the, the betrayal of knowing that your husband is, um, you know, fascinated or looking to other women for sexual pleasure is just, it's absolutely devastating to a wife or a woman. Um, and through that, like, I, I would get so angry and I would, I would try to hide my anger because, you know, Christians aren't supposed to be angry. You know, they're supposed to forgive. They're supposed to, you know, be gracious and loving and merciful. You know, I I had some wrong mentalities about those subjects, that's for sure. Mm. And so I found myself just shutting down. Um, You know, he would say he watched pornography. I would try to be gracious, um, and I would just shut down. I, I became very isolated, and at first, at first, I could handle it. You know, I could, I could keep walking. But after a couple months of just trust being destroyed over and over, um, because each time I felt like surely this time is the last time. You know, and I would beg and plead with God, like just show us what, what to do. You know, and and break this bondage. You know, break this addiction. And I, it just felt like God wasn't answering my prayer. Like He was silent. He had abandoned me. He wasn't listening. He didn't care. Um, and this this started a, a long journey of um, questioning my faith, questioning even you know, does God exist? Like, is he is he actually who he says he is? Um, he was just silent. I mean, I would pray, I would plead, I would be so devastated to where I could barely even function and in normal life, like my day-to-day things, I could barely even function. I felt like my head was in a cloud. I, I couldn't feel any emotions. I was just, I was isolated. Um, the thought of leaving my house, going somewhere was overwhelming. Sometimes I would cancel things. Well, a lot of times I would cancel things at last minute um, because I just felt like there was no way I could even leave my house. Like I didn't have the strength to do that. Or if I would leave my house, I would have a, a facade that I would have, you know, a face, a, a cover-up, so no one would know what's happening. Um, it, it got really bad. I got to the point where, like, sometimes I would find myself sitting somewhere and just staring into space and not even knowing that I was sitting there. It was, yeah, it was bad. It, I don't know, it definitely... Through that, there was hatred. Like, I, I realized one day, like, I literally hate, it felt like I literally hated my husband, my marriage. I wanted I wanted out. Um, I I actually, one night, I was, oh, yeah, I was searching scripture trying to find um, justification of, you know, of why I could leave. Like, could I have justification to leave him because I was that miserable? Um, we were just, we were completely distant. From each other. I mean, it was it was incredible. It truly was. And I knew that that was not what a marriage should look like, but it felt hopeless that how could we ever have a normal marriage or have have even anything that remotely looked normal? Um, is there anything like normal marriages? But mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, this continued for about. Two years, and I, I finally opened up to some of my family members, um, to our church, and our, our churchmen were amazing. They they started walking with my husband, and and they would check in occasionally, and you know, and 
you'd think there'd be a change coming. There's some hope. There's, you know, something's happening. Um, but only a couple weeks later, we'd be right back to pornography, the whole cycle. Me shutting down, OJ's anger. It was just, yeah, the cycle would restart. Um, and I had a friend. Well, um, I had never met her, but I had a friend that her and her husband had walked part of a similar journey that me and my husband had. And I only got her number through my sister because I knew her and her husband, yeah, were all on the same journey. So she, me and her would text quite a bit. And she told me one day about this retreat um, where women whose husbands um, are in addiction or have sexual addiction. And she wondered if I'd want to go with her. And I, I jumped at the chance. I had not ever met her. Um, and I did pretty much no research on, on this ministry at all. I just knew it was called Blazing Grace. And I think I maybe Googled it. And I was like, ah, yeah, they, they look okay. And, and I, I just wanted to get away from my husband. That was, <laughs> I was like a weekend away. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> that was all that I cared about. Um, so yeah, I found myself hopping into a vehicle with someone I'd never met and driving all the way to Colorado to um, one of the women's retreats. And leading up to it, I started getting a little nervous because I was like, okay, what are we actually going to be doing there? So I was a little bit on edge when I actually um, showed up at the retreat. I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen, but I knew at that point that I was I felt so emotionally dead on the inside. I knew I had to do something and I, I just couldn't seem to find what that was, what God was leading me to. So I showed up at the retreat and I met Sandy, one of the ladies at the door, one of the ladies in Believing Grace. And I got past the hellos and got into the safety of my room. And I remember just all of a sudden it felt like I could breathe. Like I hadn't, felt that way in a long time because there's so much tension in our house back at home. Um, just tension, always being on edge, walking on eggshells. It just felt like, you know, I didn't know any second the rug could be slipped out from underneath my feet and I would have to face the, the devastation of another cycle of pornography or anger or depression or whatever. It just felt like I was always on edge. Um, so I, I just, I remember just sitting in my room and just breathing. Oh, it felt so good to breathe and just knowing I had like two or three days of, of this and I wouldn't have to go home right away. Um, and as I was sitting there, it started dawning on me, okay, I'm going to have to dig into my heart and just all these walls that I had put up, they're going to have to come down somehow. I don't know how, but they're going to have to come down. And um, I knew I would have to start digging. Um, so out of desperation, I just I started digging. As the evening that the retreat um, was very hard, it was one of the most painful evenings of sharing my story. Um, it was the first time I'd ever shared with someone, you know, my whole story, and it was it was painful. It was it was terrible. I hope I never have to experience that part again. But in that, it was. So relieving to be surrounded um, with people who didn't give you those crazy looks depending on what you shared or what you said. Like, I could just say what was on my mind. I could share some of the awful thoughts or feelings that I had had or 
or how my faith is lacking or my doubts and how God feels silent or my hatred toward my husband and no one no one was shocked. It seemed like each of the ladies there and everyone that was there just they got it. They understood. They didn't even have to say anything. I could tell by the looks in their faces they they knew it. They knew what I was saying and, and they accepted me where I was at at that moment. Um it was just it was so freeing. I I can't even put into words how freeing it was. So as the weekend went on, I I knew I'd have to deal with God because I had got my story off of my chest and and I felt much better being surrounded by ladies who understood and, and we were connecting, but still felt like God was was in the background saying, "Okay, Laura, you've got to talk to me yet." Because up until that point, I had I had honestly kind of quit praying. Like, I hope I never reach that low point in my life again. I had given up that God even cared or that he even um that he could even change our marriage um that there was any hope I just decided this was my life I just had to um bear it it was um probably something within me that was wrong and that's why I I deserved the life that I had you know I deserved a husband like that and yeah I had just decided I must have done wrong or God was just punishing me because he wasn't the caring, loving God that people had told me he is. Um, So, yeah, finally, I think it was the second day um, we were all sent out to just have a couple hours to ourselves at the retreat. And I started walking through the mountains, um, through the mountain back there on some of the trails there by the retreat and started talking to God. It was very very hesitant and and bitter and and angry at first. Um, But as time wore on, I just started telling him everything, Um, the turmoil of, you know, the porn, the the pain, the agony that I'd went through and started asking him, you know, why, why he'd been so quiet, you know, why, why he wasn't helping, why he um, wasn't there, you know? And I hadn't realized till that afternoon that he had been there all that time. It was just that Satan had such a big doorway in our lives and, and in my heart. And there was so many lies of Satan that I was believing. I, I had no strength to fight them. It felt like, and I was just believing them completely. And Satan was just, he was just dragging me wherever he felt like. I mean, I had, I didn't fight it. I didn't have the tools to fight it. I, I don't necessarily know, but I was, I was exactly where he wanted me. I, I had nothing, so I just went with whatever Satan told me it felt like at that point, and that was just misery and lies and hopelessness and darkness. Um, so that afternoon, that resonated with me that God had been there. I had just shut him out because I quit. I quit believing. I quit having faith, and um, I'd been choosing Satan's lies, and so I, I decided, well, you know, like as I got to praying and talking with God, I I felt like you know, with Him I could I could go back home and I could I could continue being married and I would continue living and I wouldn't do something crazy if if He be with me I could I could do it. Um, my faith was incredibly small. I still felt alone and and not even sure where where I'd be in five minutes from then. Like I just 
yeah. I just knew that shutting him out was no longer an option. I, I needed to surrender, and he had to be my source of strength. There was just no other way. So, yeah, after that weekend, um, that weekend was just incredible. It was, it's truly like it saved our marriage. It, it saved my future and my life, it feels like. And I know that it was, it was all because of God. Um, to have been able to, to be real and raw and open and open the, the parts of my heart that I had completely locked off and I thought were gone forever and much less be able to have reconnected with God all in one weekend, and also to have like this newfound support system. You know, these ladies, um, the people of Blazing Grace, the people that I could reach out to and talk to, and they understood, and they could help me see things, help me understand things, help me to know that I was not crazy. Um, I was actually able to start processing um the pain and things that was happening inside of myself. So that was huge, very huge. And one of the last evenings of the retreat before we went home, um, you, Mike, had shared a verse with each of us ladies. Um, and the verse you had shared with me was Hebrews thirteen five about I will never leave you nor forsake you. And um, that verse, just it was directly from the Lord. Um, forsake means to, you know, abandon or desert and that's how I had felt that God had just forsaken me he had just disappeared I he left me out on my own when things got hard he just disappeared um so that verse to me was just confirmation that he had heard me the day before and he would not leave me nor forsake me and whatever I would face at home or in my life in the future it didn't matter that much anymore because he would be there and and that made all the difference. So that last evening, um, I had a terrible night. I just, oh, I did not want to go home. I just, I begged God and I'm just bawled, like, please let something happen so I don't have to go home. Mm-hmm. I was even kind of hoping that like, we'd have an accident or a flat tire or, you know, something where we'd have to stay at a motel and, and wouldn't be able to go home right away. And, oh, it was, I was just begging. But morning came and it was time to pack up and leave and and we did we drove all the way home and yeah I got home and I remember sitting on my doorstep in the middle of the night just crying like I did not want to go inside at all and finally I did um my husband had woke up because he'd heard me coming home and he tried talking to me and I was just like I'm I'm gonna sleep I just ignored him um and I flopped in on my bed and, and fell asleep and yeah I I don't know how I ever fell asleep because I was so upset at that point, but I did. And I didn't find out until several weeks later um, that that evening, after I'd been in bed and sleeping, my husband had woke up and had just been under deep conviction and ended up out in the yard on his knees and praying. And that was a small start of his walk toward purity and of the change that started happening in our house. Hmm. and our home and our lives and it was just absolutely incredible like to have been a part of that um moving forward but yeah that kind of sums up my my story and of what the retreat was to me another thing that at the re- the women's retreat mike when you shared your story of your past that was huge 
um, to be able to hear a man talk about their past and, and what has been happening in their life and how they've chosen freedom and have been walking in freedom. Mm-hmm. It was incredible, mm-hmm. absolutely incredible. Well, thank you, Laura. We've got a minute left, and I love all the points you brought up because what you've really shown is how you went through a crisis of faith. I mean, that could have, that was borderline ready to destroy your faith is what I was hearing. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so you've got 45 seconds. If you're talking to a pastor, a couple, anybody, what would you say right now about anything? Well, first of all, I I would say that there, there is hope as, as far as it comes to, you know, like the sexual impurity. There's hope. Um, there's people out there who would help you and that it's time to break the um, cliches of Christianity. And, and when someone is in the midst of a deep trial or in, or in the midst of deep pain, um, to get real and honest and raw and deal with the situation. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Laura. I really appreciate it. Um, you had a lot of—I really loved your story and how you were so honest and raw, and we need more of that in the Church. So thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Okay, thank you, Mike. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.